Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. A reading comes from the first chapter of Luke. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come unto you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no one, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Amen. Amen. You're a mean one, Mr. Bridge. as a cactus, you're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Mr. Grinch, an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders, you've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. You're a foul one, Mr. Mr. Grinch. Nasty, wasty skunk. Your heart is full of unwashed socks. Your soul is full of gunk, Mr. Grinch. Mr. Grinch, what can we learn from Mr. Grinch today? Whatever could we learn? 
Uh, as there was a tradition in some families, this, uh, this little boy was, was writing a letter. But instead of addressing it to Santa, this letter was addressed to God. He was writing down a list of the Christmas presents that he wanted and made sure that he wrote that he had been good for six months now. The little boy thought about it for a minute and then crossed off the six months and wrote three months paused for just a moment longer and scribbled out the three months and replaced it with two weeks. <laughs> Finally, the boy got up and, and walked over the, to the nativity scene that was on the table with figures of, of Mary and Joseph. He picked up the figure of Mary and gently held it as he walked back over to his writing. He started again, dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again, <laughs> in your bulletins you will, you will see that you do have your compass guides, you do have questions and scriptures for the rest of this week, as well as those places to jot down a few notes so that when you hear what we can learn from the Grinch today, you can jot those notes down so that you can remember them. Uh, and so today we continue on our journey toward Christmas through the season of Advent, focusing on this lovable and despicable character, the Grinch. What can we learn from this creation of Dr. Seuss today? What lessons are actually being taught through this wonderful story? Over the first couple of weeks, we focused on unmet expectations and traditions which might not look or turn our attention to the true reason. For this season. We've talked about loss and how the past couple of years have, may have seemed like they were full of disappointment and losses. However, someone reminded me that, someone reminded me this past week about how much we've actually gained. Have we thought about that? I mean, sure, things may have been starkly different, but that doesn't mean that it has all been bad. There have been some wonderful experiences that have come while navigating through this pandemic. From new ways to worship, new ways to connect with each other, to a deeper sense of the sacred and the holy, these past couple of years might have been a true blessing for you. One thing that really sticks out to me is, is all of you. And all of you who are, who are watching from home. Now, I said this before, you know, all of us in the sanctuary might be a little jealous knowing that you might be in your comfortable PJs, sipping your coffee on a super comfy couch. But I'm not sure if this would ever have happened had we not gone through the past year or so. So thank you. Thank you for growing with us and for being patient as we tried new things, experimented, failed and tried again. Journey of Hope is growing, and it is all because of you here and all of you watching from home. Have you ever had a moment when you were absolutely sure that you were right, only to find out that you really weren't? Ever had one of those? <laughs> Multiple ones? During seminary, uh, a group of friends and I were in a study room. We were working on our, on our Greek. 
trying to study up on all of our Greek, and Keith knows that full well, uh, we were trying to come up with different ways to use some of the words that we were learning. And at some point, I just burst out and said, I need a therosis. I wanted to know if anyone had a therosis in their backpacks. At first, I didn't notice everyone looking at me with questioning eyes, but once I did, I asked them, what's wrong? They wanted to know what it was that I was looking for. I was getting pretty upset and repeated once again, I need a therosis. Finally, through their laughter, they asked me if I actually meant a thesaurus. I knew what I meant. I just wasn't thinking clearly enough. I think this is where we find our friend the Grinch this morning. The Grinch thinks he's doing something right, but little does he know that a little girl will begin a process in him that he's not quite ready for. In the story, we find the Grinch sneaking around in the middle of the night, slithering slithering through the Who's homes, stealing everything that would remind them of Christmas. First, he took the stockings. Then he slithered and slunk with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room, and he took every present. Pop guns and bicycles, roller skates, drums, checkerboards, tricycles, popcorn and plums. And he stuffed them in bags. Then the Grinch, very nimbly, stuffed all the bags one by one up the chimbley. Then he slunk to the icebox. He took the Who's Feast. He took the who pudding. He took the roast beast. Why, that Grinch even took the last can of who hash. Now I will stuff up the tree. You see, in his mind, the Grinch believes that what he is doing is right. Especially to accomplish this wonderful, awful plan to stop Christmas from coming. Just then, a little voice breaks through the confusing voices in the Grinch's head while he is still thinking of the plan that he has. Cindy Lou Who asks, Santa Claus, why are you taking our Christmas tree? If you remember, he had an answer. Just to show how invested the Grinch was in his plan, he comes up with a lie far too easily. Because he's so convinced that he is right, the lie comes effortlessly, almost as if he believes it as truth. You see, he doesn't fully understand the problems in his plan, nor the problems that he has in his own life. The Grinch has a blind spot, just like all of us. There are certain things that we don't see, like thinking you are absolutely right in calling this little book the therosis. <laughs> this is part of human nature. We all have limited vision. As much as we would like to, we don't see the bigger picture at times. I know that I've asked God many times, and probably you have as well, to just get a glimpse of the bigger picture Those answers to the questions of why. I know that I've asked, 
God, many times, to get that bigger picture. I wanted to know why certain things happened. But knowing that we have limited vision also gives us a little insight into who Jesus Christ is. Through the incarnation, God became one of us. Eugene Peterson writes that God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Such a wonderful vision of what this is. God lived among us in bodily form. Now, there's a lot of theological discussion that can happen around this topic, especially if we look to the early, the, uh, the apostolic fathers, which would be the early church leaders. They struggled with this concept about how God could have been a human being and whether or not it actually happened. Within the United Methodist Church, we have a belief, as, as many others do, that Jesus Christ was fully divine and fully human. This is about as easy to explain as the concept of the Trinity. But what I want you to understand this morning is that God, through the incarnation of Christ, entered into our human lives. Jesus not only lived at a particular time in history, but he also lived as a human being. This means that he is fully aware of our blind spots because he would have had them too. In his book, Matt Rawl talks about this as he brings up Hebrews 14, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Sure, at any moment, Jesus could have tapped into his divinity, but during his temptations and some other aspects of his life, he's lived just as we do, blind spots and all. This was God's choice, to put on humanity and suffer in this life. The reason? So that God could redeem our lives. God could fully redeem our lives. This is the great news that the angels brought that day to the shepherds. This is the good news that came to Mary when the angel told her, don't be afraid, that she had found favor with God. The good news that the Messiah was coming and that everything would be set right again and redeemed. Jesus didn't come to make us into something that we are not. His desire is not that we would change for the sake of changing, but that we would see that we would see the life that Jesus lived as an example of a life filled with grace, hope, and love. Jesus showed us what it meant to be truly alive and filled with the Spirit, to be joy-filled as we light our candle of joy today. When have you experienced true joy in your life? Do you remember a time when you felt this joy deep in your bones, deep in your soul? You felt this absolute joy. Many will say that they experienced this on a, on a day of celebration. Whether it was a, a wedding day, a, a graduation day, confirmation day, or, or even a baptism. 
Some will say that the, the biggest moment of joy in their lives when they witnessed a new birth, a new child, a new grandchild. I remember my wedding, the many wonderful things that, that happened that day. But I also remember people telling my wife and I that something was going to go wrong that day. <laughs> something will not go as planned, and that it was okay. Perfection is not what we are aiming for, but just a day that is filled with joy. But joy also comes in the unexpected. Sometimes when we least expect it, joy finds its way into our lives, even in the difficult times. Think about Mary. Not Mary Becker, but, but Mary, <laughs> barely 13 years old, getting a visit from an angel who has some news for her. Nothing major. Just that she was going to be pregnant, and even though she wasn't married, and oh, and by the way, he's going to be the son of God. No pressure there, right? This holy interruption ended their thoughts for a perfect marriage ceremony. Maybe that was des the design. Get rid of your expectations of a perfect ceremony, and then you won't worry about all the other things that could go wrong. Maybe that's a message that, that we need today. That while we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, to have something perfect, whether it's a, a family dinner or a, or a holiday gathering, Christmas Eve worship service, or any other Christmas tradition that, that you might have planned, it's okay when they don't go as planned. And it's okay to be wrong at times. Even if worship doesn't happen the way you want or the music fell flat, no pun intended there, but uh, the, the pastor loses his voice or we have to worship outside in 10 degree weather. Jesus will still be born anyway. It doesn't matter if the Grinch comes up with all kinds of lies to rationalize his action. It doesn't matter if the Grinch takes away all the lights and the decorations, the food, the presents, and, and maybe even the Christmas tree. Christmas will still come. Jesus will still be born. That is really good news. God doesn't ask for our perfection in worship. What God asks for is our hearts. God's desire is for our hearts ready and willing to grow. Maybe even three sizes, which we're going to focus on next week. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, we hear your message this morning, a message of hope, grace, and love, a message that tells us that, that things don't have to be perfect because the birth of your son will happen anyway. That the reason for this season is not the perfect holiday parties, the perfect Christmas tree, the, the perfect Christmas carols. 
but then our hearts are open and willing to grow and accept the birth of this wonderful child, Jesus Christ. So help us, God, as we near the end of this Advent season, help us to continue to wait with expectation and anticipation for this special day. Let us celebrate truly each and every day, knowing that Christmas is coming and that there is nothing we can do that will ever stop it. In Jesus' name, amen. Every time I hear that song and sing that song, I can't help but think of a, a closing scene in one of my favorite Christmas movies, and maybe yours too, It's a Wonderful Life, as they're all gathered in that little room just singing out as loud as they can, hark the herald angels sing. Uh, and so now I ask that as we, as we get ready to leave this place, as we go across the hall to enjoy some more fellowship time, because that still is worship. So go over, enjoy some conversations with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Enjoy some coffee, some tea, some snacks, uh, and just, each, just enjoy each other. And as you leave this morning, stop by the Welcome Center. Make sure that you pick up your little uh, bendable Grinch. Uh, and, uh, and then also after that, head off to some of those small groups this morning. And so now go, knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you. And it goes with you always. Amen.